Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list. Winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan... You can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, welcome to the Nerdist Podcast, number 164. Couple of quick announcements. Uh, I am recording the stand-up comedy special in a couple weeks for Comedy Central, the hour special that I won't fucking shut up about. But I'm actually doing the hour in its entirety for the first time, as a practice, uh, at Nerd Melt Monday night, which is Meltdown Comics, 7522 Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles at 9.30 p.m. Free show, first come, first serve. I say come by, I don't think it's going to fill up, so you should be fine. Um... I know you're saying, why haven't you done the hour in its entirety before now? Well, because I've been working on a lot of new material that I wanted to put in the special, and so I've only been working on it in modular, like, 15-minute chunks in, in L.A. pretty much every night for the past month. So now I get to see if it works or if it's crap. <laughs> if it's crap, I am going to have to hustle. Oh, crappity, self-deprecating, blah, 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 poop. So that's it uh, for that. If you're going to be in Toronto the 10th or 11th of February, I am doing the set again at the Comedy Bar. So I'll be doing four shows over the course of those two days. And if you're in New York February 17th, please come out to the taping of the stand-up special. Uh, I think that there's like 800 seats to fill or so. So you will probably get tickets uh, if you if you want them. So for information on all of those shows and links to all of those tickets, go to Nerdist.com slash calendar and then click on the appropriate link. So that's enough for those announcements. Now this episode. All right. About a week and a half ago, comedian Fred Stoller went on Mark Maron's WTF and dropped a gauntlet on the Nerdist podcast. And uh, I got all these tweets from people that are like, what the fuck did you do to Fred Stoller, man? He's mad. And then when we heard it, we were like, this is not bad. Everything he said is really not that bad. You know, he doesn't know us. It's fine for him to challenge whether or not we're nerds. And he didn't even really, whatever. Uh, It was just the internet trying to start shit. But anyway, we had Fred on to address these allegations and to uh, get inside his head and find out what the fuck from his what the fuck appearance. Uh, so here it is, the Nerdist Podcast number 164. Fred Stoller. I got my eye on you, Stoller. Now entering Nerdist.com. Need a water? Fred, is there water? 
Yeah, I think these these waters. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. I worked on um just on. And then get up on that on that microphone. Is this recording? Is yeah. this worthy of? This is. This I, is I just worked on um, Fran Drescher's show, and she gets all these. Should I put this on? Yeah, yeah if you want to. Yeah. And she has the water. You're not allowed to drink uh, pl- plastic water in front of her. Oh. <laughs> you, so. And, and I, the guy's bringing me into the room. Are you so. drinking plastic water <laughs> over there? <laughs> and the guy's bringing me in, and I have it. No, you, you can't be seen. She's really nice, but... I guess with, uh, you know, she has a fun cancer schmancer, mm-hmm. yeah. and she had cancer. So I guess something, oh, we're okay. going to get it now. But something, All right, I can understand From that. the bottles, she thinks? I, something, and so they have all these expensive, like, glasses. Uh, it's these these kind of, you know, like, what's a carafe kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and but, but for some reason you can't be seen. I don't know why you can't be seen drinking it. She's really, really nice. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, very, very nice. And I just don't you want to get to a point in your career where you can just have rules, weird rules about things. Fran Drescher has an interesting career trajectory to me. She's st- like the first Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. She's mm-hmm. in UHF six years later, and then all of a sudden she I was see in her something and... like a. They've done a bunch of like in the big picture too. Yeah, bunch of like Dog Day Afternoonish kind of things. Where people are a crazy people with hostages, and I remember she did something like that. Yeah, she was big in the hostage scene. Right, right. <laughs> Fran Drescher. She did a, oh, love don't make the, that joke. Love the, <laughs> sorry, you know, we just found really Fred's ha- button. Oh, we just no, found Fred's no, button. No, but uh, it, I just was from there, and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is actually the show without an intro, or pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This it. is pretty much it. Wow. Well, well, thank you. I, I feel, <clears throat> excuse me, um, pressure. Because I, I did Mark Marin's show and all these people tweeting, get him, get that bastard. I don't know what I did. I don't know what happened either. All I know is a couple days ago, I'm running errands and I start seeing all these tweets like, what the fuck did you do to Fred Stoller? Which I never mentioned his name. I never said anything. Well, people directing it, people yeah, directing it at me you, to begin with. The, it was the tweet that the, like one guy goes. According, this was a, almost right. a verbatim tweet. According to Fred Stoller, you're an arrogant prick. Now, wait, wait, you are, you're a man. Me? No, you. It was you. directed at me. I've only, I've met you twice. Once at a weird Al Yankovic concert. Yes, if you remember and, that. And so I do remember that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, so I called Mark and I, I left him a message. And I go, I don't know what's going on, but like, I, I, and I don't really know Fred Stoller. What happened? So then I call Matt, and Matt goes. I listened to it. It's nothing. I don't know what people well, well, are freaking first, out about. Yeah, first of all, the thing is, someone says something, and you think it's this uproar, and it's just probably one person, and it's like like the IMBD. You ever read the comments? Yes, of course. And, 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 oh, it, and it looks like, like I hate what they're doing with Penguins of Madagascar, and it's just three people, but it... But it like three people me. could ruin someone's career and get them fired because it looks like <laughs> they don't like King Julian. Like, it looks like everyone. Yeah. If 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 the if the scope of your if the scope of your view is a is pinhole size, but still, I was, woke up to a Ron Funches tweet and I looked at it and Ron said something to the effect of, uh, you know, oh, you and Fred Stoller have a beef. I expect a retaliation song. And then I was like, <laughs> I was just I was very well, confused by it. And I really thought in my head I had no idea that well, Fred had been on WTF. And in my head I thought. Maybe Ron just pulled two, you know, comedy people out of nowhere. Well, I then, never mentioned your name, but I have all these yeah. people go get Matt Mira back. And yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what's so funny about it is that it, it, it really, it was almost the kind of thing that makes you go, some people are awful. Because what happened, what happened in those people's minds is 
they perceived a situation in a certain way. They filled in a lot of blanks with their own minds and then just started not only attacking, but also that shitty schoolyard thing of, hey, did you hear what that guy said about you? You going to let him get away with that? (laughs) Now I'm a pussy if I don't like... Okay, well, all right. You want... uh, But I don't... uh, Listen, you you are totally entitled to your... I mean... I Matt brought you up about having you on the show a long time ago, and I go, yeah, let's get Fred on because I I know you, I know your stand up oh, from the eighties, and uh, and then all for right, some right, reason right. we just didn't because look it was it. right before right, we went uh, to Montreal. That's well, what happened. Okay, first of all, yeah, I have uh, um, irrational abandonment issues. <laughs> um, to, to, to make a, a long story short, you know, I knew him. Uh, I've, uh, I've known you for like five years. Okay, but, yeah. he was just like. Like I, I felt sorry for him, this kind of guy in the ground floor of the Apple Store with a smile and hey, I'm a comedy nerd. <laughs> He's a huge and, comedy nerd. And and and, and uh, this happens a lot with me where I'm a novelty, and they go, hey, I've seen you, and then that novelty wears off, like that schmuck's coming in the Apple Store every day, you know, and like uh, get out, get away from me, Fred. And so then you know, and I I, I took you to a movie. You went to Ratatouille together. I took him to Aww. it. Yeah, yeah, and he and I and he was this, this guy, and then. Then all of a sudden he becomes on the the, the genius floor and he's a snarky <laughs> kind of guy. Like and then yeah, I, he yeah. sa- you know I'm trying to do Twitter, you know, and he goes, well maybe I'll give you an FF. I've got seven thousand followers now. It's up to seventy seven thousand, and I never got the FF, and I never got the a retweet. And I so, forgot. I just okay. Honestly, all right, no, no, I no, I'm talking. Forgot. I'm being irrational. So so I'd come Mind in. Mind you, Fred at some point unfollowed me, and I never unfollowed Fred. <laughs> Wait, well, no, I'm back. I got. I, I got. <laughs> wait, how do you guys? Uh, well, now I'm back. What, Fred, what you, what, what, what you need to do is tag Matt Myra at Matt Myra and just write unfollow in all caps, and then Matt will retweet well, that, and then yeah. you'll get your retweet. Well, no, 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 no. It's again. I'll tell you my that. my irrational issues. Like I'd see him, and I feel like I'm the guy begging him. Like you know, the guy like in the movie. Uh, what's that movie? The artist. You know, did you see the movie The Artist? I haven't seen it yet. No, Where I heard this there's guy no words. This, this I can't. thing, and he helps an extra. She's a star now. He's homeless. So I felt like you know I was nice to him, and then I'm there, and I go, "Hey, uh, I did a movie. It's at movie festivals. Will you consider it?" And he goes, "Oh, maybe I'll watch it, Fred." And uh, so, so <laughs> Matt, you know, did you say that to him? Maybe I'll. No, watch no, you it. did I, say I, it, but I, I never heard anything. Yeah, you never heard yeah. anything because the, here's exactly what happened, what? and I felt bad about it. Oh like no, no, no! This is like what we should happened. get Judge John guys, Hodgman you, here. You guys would go to Montreal. Montreal. Go, could to you Montreal. please, yeah. please? You know, we're trying and that's to when do. That's I mentioned things. it to. to Harvey. So, okay, yeah. all right. No, no, no. I'm saying I. So then I, all right, I had this, ira- I'm using the word irrational a lot. I see his tweets, hey, making fun of hipsters. And I'm thinking, Matt, you became a hipster. When you make hipster jokes, you're the hipster. And, and, and you became this, sn- if he was a comedian in the 80s, he'd be this chubby guy and kind of self. But then they're the coolest people in the world because it's like, I hate best week ever. And I know it's off the air, but like, hey, you're a loser. It. Hey, let's make fun of the view. And they're so hip and they make snarky faces. So I had this, again, this thing. I thought he became that, like, hey, you know what the hipster is? Two lattes and this. So I thought <laughs> I'm the loser middle-aged guy. Then I see you at the uh, that that chicken, uh, the beef place with the beautiful girlfriend because you're the... And it all relates to you, Chris. Okay, okay, sure. Because, like, again, and I bought your book and... and um, he did, he bought your book. I bought your book and... So this is a problem with the IMBD now I'm having with you. Diane, no, I totally understand. And, you know, to be fair... Matt did get less tolerant of people when he worked at the Genius Bar because oh. he was working ten hours a day. And not only that, in the Grove, which which is just a magnet for the 
Oh, but just, this happens to me a lot where people think I'm a novelty. There's that guy, and then they see the schmuck walks around every day. I have no life. And you have the life. You get to walk around every day. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, so yeah. And uh, to me, uh, to you've be made fair it. to Matt, Matt has two bad things going for him. For him. <laughs> no, a comedian and a tech guy, because you know, as a comedian on the plane, you don't want to say what you do because they'll tell you jokes or give yes. you Seinfeld premises when I worked on it. So not only does he, he he's like a doctor where you get retards like me going, how do I do this? And again, all the people at the Apple store like just shake their head when I come in and. Because I don't know anything, you know. So, no, I'm glad. I have it. There's a woman on Twitter where she's mean as a Twitter lady. But then when you see her in person, so you get this kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so okay. So the issue That's about interesting. You. Yeah, no, that's a, the issue. But, <laughs> wait, it's my turn? My turn? No, no, no. Oh, I, uh, I don't want to interrupt. What no, 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 no. I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have any issue at all. I, I, I just, I thought. It, no, no. What are you going to say about Twitter when you, you know them as the Twitter person oh, and well, they're nice? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, what's, what's weird is that, you know, I'm not someone who's like public persona is different he from writes. my, like if you, Nor do I think I am. Well, I'm pretty I much like, like I had pretty the much how I am. That Matt became the best week ever snarky kind of. Hey, dude, we're nerds, and and and, he, and 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 he's now the coolest guy. That's see now I feel weird with you because I I, I I'm versed, and <laughs> so I don't want to want be the one the IMBD. I don't want to rehash stuff you get because I'll ask a question about Breaking Bad and I have to apologize. Go, I'm sorry if this has been brought up because I'll ask a question. You asshole, three. Threads ago, like I have to go back, right? You know, like why with the super well, that's lab? Just, that's just people know. just wanting to. I mean, again, you know, the, the the internet is a playground where people love to start shit. Yes. they love to empower themselves by telling you that you're stupid. I mean, like it's yes. it, it's all it's all of those things. And you know, um, I didn't, uh, I still, I didn't hear the Marin podcast. Matt I listened, listened to it, it yeah. and Matt said. You know, whatever you said was not a big deal no, at all. No. And so I texted and Marin I, back later and I go, all right, I, I heard what it was. This was not a big deal. Sorry to bother no, you. It's no, just the, the internet trying the to start shit. Is, like I said, I, I've been abandoned. Like I, there's, it was a movie director. Freddie, you're going to be in everything I do. You're my lucky chum. Cut to him. I'm in nothing he does. So you have that. But I'm glad. I'm director so glad he, or dad? Director. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad he. Te- I was had this thing like Mark remembers me when he texted me back because I did reach out. I thought he's one of these guys with seven thousand followers. Doesn't no. But you know, even you, when you see this is. I wrote on Seinfeld, and we have this thing. It's an impenetrable fortress, and some schmucky comic from the Midwest was faxing in back in '94. You stole my demi demi joke. And, and, and so, so they use it. So Larry's going, I, I've, I've done, you know, 10 years with original stuff. Do I have to steal from comics in the Midwest? And so he was like, Larry was fuming about this. Then, then text the guy, whatever, whatever they did back then. Faxed him back saying, we didn't steal your joke. It's different. What? A fax thread. It's like a fax thread. And then the guy, it's like your thing in the book where the guy's hating you. Then when you respond, he feels bad, you know. And um, you don't remember your own book. I do remember yeah. that. That was when they told me that a guy told me I was an asshole for replacing the soup with my with with my show, which I, I respected the fact that he thought I had that much power. Yeah. Well, right, right, right. And fairness then, to him. So then the guy responds <laughs> to Larry yeah. goes, OK, uh, I'm stopping my boycott. I will watch Seinfeld. Thank you. And Larry, you know, was so relieved that, you know, the guy just, <laughs> the guy, the guy just wanted to be heard. The yeah. Heard. Yeah. So, again, I 
Okay, so now I'm being. I, and now you've heard it before. My issue, because I'll get yelled at. They go get those nerds. You're not real nerds. It's almost like we're rappers. Like you're not from the streets. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, nerd is like Eddie D's. And nerds are hated. And, and they were hated. Okay, so you know that now you're the coolest guy. Nerd, like, hey, dude, I'm such a nerd. I'm going to Comic Con, meaning I'm into cool stuff like robots and. So, well, that's that was just sort of a that was just sort of an accident of society that happened. Yes. That I mean, that it's like I'm still into the same stuff I was into when I was a kid. The fact that society has changed doesn't make me any different. Okay, like so that's it's, that's so it's a, not like you hijacked the word nerd. It's uh, no, 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 not at all. I mean, it, it's 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 not. I mean, the the truth of the matter is. We couldn't keep this charade up this long, this much. Like it would be impossible. But but, but nerd is the majority, and and when I I was no, a kid, nerd is the vocal majority. That's the problem. It's like Twitter. You know, there's a bunch of nerds out there who are very very vocal. But like you see it in things like Scott Pilgrim, for instance, great movie, didn't make nearly as much as you thought it would because everyone on Twitter was talking about it. This is gonna be great. Everyone loved it on social networking. Then when it came time to release the movie. Did like eight million. Well, <clears throat> it is true that a lot of a lot of shows that I mean, not all, but a lot of shows that we think of as being, oh, these are the biggest shows in the social consciousness, do yes. not do not rate well at like all. If the Nielsen box was Twitter, Firefly would be on its ninth season right now. Right, right. And it would be the biggest show. But ever. Fred, yeah. I think I think what happened was is just that you know, I mean, all the stuff that I was like I said that I was into when I was a kid that I'm I'm still into. It's just those things became. More popular cool. than they were. Pop, pop, nerd means pop culture now, right? It has definitely broadened, and it, and 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 that irritates me the way that it irritates you and other people. But also, it makes me happy that I don't. But you remember Revenge of Nerds? Let's get them. Let's beat them. Well, up. yeah, which sucked. I mean, you that's know, I went through that. Happy days. You went through. Okay, are you the model that? You know, like says, oh, I was awkward as a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? How they always do that. You go, I don't believe that. No, I was afraid. I was afraid to go to school because you were into stuff that. Did you see his new Twitter avatar? Come when on. I, that, which someone said, someone said, oh, is that a response? That uh, that's uh, this. Uh, this is how it was worded. Obviously, a response to Fred Stoller's thing. Obviously, like no, my mom went photo hunting <laughs> in her garage two weeks ago. I was had. I'm gonna swap out a bunch of pictures that she sent to me that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> that's funny. But I didn't know I had this power. It was this crazy power. So you know, like there were days that I was terrified to go to school because I knew that my name was gonna be in announcements because of chess club, and I knew that I was gonna get shit for it. Uh, in at lunch, and and it just well, used to fucking terrify me. It you know, terrified me. I was know, afraid. You know, actually, I was talking on Mark's thing that maybe I envy the nerds because at least they had the overcompensating thing to become Apple geniuses and like Gates and you know what I mean and chess. And I was just this schmuck who couldn't do anything. And then freaks and geeks, they had camaraderie. They had we'll show them, we'll overcompensate, and and oh. Do stuff. I was just this invisible misfit. They would tease me and say I was Galaxy Man. I was from the planet Xenops because I was in my own world. Mm -hmm. And and I was so pathetic that I liked um, when they would tease me that I didn't feel invisible. You know, it was one oh, that's guy. Really interesting. I didn't like it. One guy, Alan Factor. They would chase and beat up every day. And one day he was absent. They chased me, and I liked it. And I was sad when Alan Factor came back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I was just invisible, and I re yeah I relate to yeah invisible people, movies, things like that. But uh, 
I, again, I, Alan Factor sounds like a math cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that sound like a real person? You Today know, on Alan Factor. You know, it was weird because in Sleepaway Improper Camp, fractions. There were, I got called Galaxy Man, but the three other people got teased more than me, and it was kind of arbitrary because, yeah, he he was a bookwormy guy, the bookwormy guy. But there was one, there was one guy, Alan, another Alan. That's a bad name to have. A lot of Alan. So, An- Andrew Hertenstein, and he wasn't bad looking. He. But it's almost like cats will decide that's the one I'm going to mate with. You know, it's this arbitrary yeah, beating up stuff. It was, I mean, you know, the, the, the toughest part for me was that, you know, I rejected all that stuff when I got into my 20s because, you know, my childhood was so torturous because of the stuff that I was into. Well, because of chess club and stuff? Because of chess club and Latin, D&D and I was president God. of the Latin club and I, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I brought D&D books to school and I brought video games to school and... You know, in the 80s, the consumer electronics, there were, like the boom was just happening. And so, you know, like not everyone had home computers. And, and, you know, to have a home computer, a lot of people had to build them from Radio Shack. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a thing that everyone had. And now the technology is so pervasive now. So, so maybe because I'm older, um, nerd is more techie, I guess. I, to, I, I, I thought it was just ostracized, but you're saying because of the tech stuff you were ostracized. I just don't, I mean, I, it, to me, the word, and it is completely overused, and, yeah. you know, and, and admittedly I'm but responsible But I'm saying, I don't like when people go, dude, I, I'm a nerd, man. It's like saying, dude, I'm cool. I think what it's, I think, I think a lot of what it's saying now is that for me, it's like, I feel like I got to take the word back a little bit, but I don't think it means, right. I don't, I don't think it's about what you're into, but I, as I, as I said in the book, I think it's about how, you are into those things. And I think what really defines like the foundation of a nerd, the like the that 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 quality is someone who will obsess on a thing. I see. M- more at the expense of everything else to just understand that thing better than any other human being. And I think that's the quality of a nerd, not whether or not Well, I um yeah, did, I was uh did a part I was cut from um the change up. Uh-huh. Uh, do you know Craig Bierko? I know who he is, of course. Yeah, he's a Good-looking guy. guy. Yeah. He's funny. He's uh, and me and him was sitting on a break with our uh, iPhones, just dabbling. And Ryan Reynolds walks by, goes nerds. So if Craig Bierko, you know, what I'm saying it just means you're just <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, the word the word has lost a lot yeah. of what? meaning. But what? but I think but I, but I think we just lack another term for this 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 cultural movement yes. that has exploded. The important question. What were his abs like when he walked? <laughs> Ryan <by>? Reynolds. <laughs> or I thought you meant Craig Bierko. Uh, Bierko's good looking too, but yeah, but but uh, Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds is. Uh, uh, yeah, he um, yeah he he was. I think I didn't know he was going through his breakup with Scarlett Johansson. I'm such a schmuck. I just saw what movie did I see? Uh, Marilyn Monroe. And the whole movie, I thought it was Scarlett Johansson, but it was oh Michelle, Michelle Williams. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I guess I don't keep up. Ah, you don't have to keep up. There's too much to keep up with now. You know, it's weird. Like, beautiful people I won't recognize at the mall, but if it's a weird character act or like Wayne Knight or something. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah, I, I know exa- ex- in a second who they are. They could be like, yeah. I want to hear about stand-up. I want to hear about, you know, when you started stand-up and your stand-up career because I I certainly was a fan of yours in the 80s. I watched every comedy, everything, and I remember, and I tweeted this at you, and I and I and after I tweeted at you, I went and found it on YouTube because I'd always remember I was. Wow, a, you remember the Dennis Miller introduction? I remember it because it was. I mean, like the ninth annual Young Comedian Special, which is the one that launched like Kinnison and 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 Louis Anderson and Rita Rudner and all that. Remember them. when and, Studio Sixty stole your bit? <laughs> Sorry. What? 
Thanks for thanks for thanks for that. Um, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> so yes. he forgot Studio it. sixty on the Sunset Strip. <laughs> they stole your bit. Well, there, there was, was an a, episode. There was a bit where I played. My part was I played a comedian on a laptop on someone's lap. <laughs> where um, I loved it. I was a comedian and doing some hacky joke, and then. What was it? Uh, the who was a uh, DL Ugly? Yep. The Did thing the was the writers. The, the writers that Matthew Perry wasn't trying to get out of so, there. So the, wrote the, this the great bit. bit. The, the bit was that. He he did my joke, and someone said, "Stop the like NASA, stop the presses." Uh, um, that joke we have proof. It was from Lenny Gold, who was me at a comedy club. So you just see me, you know, in a, in a, with a fake wall in the background doing the joke. That's- and, like Saturday Night Live would really in the in this control room stop it and go, "We we can't do uh, the bit." The yeah, they, the I mean, again, Studio Sixty, like. <laughs> You can't. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, Aaron Sorkin's a great writer and, and all that. And, you know, I mean, like, I, you know, I would question that not everyone has snappy back and forth dialogue that is not a comedian. But whatever. The gravitas that they gave that show was like, you can't you can't just take the West Wing and then set it. I know. On SNL. When, when, when Judd Hirsch made that speech in the beginning. Oh, well, I remember God. when both shows were coming out. Oh, I, I, everyone, me included. Was we're saying two shows about behind the scenes at Saturday yeah. Night Live? I feel bad. I don't feel bad. Well, for Tina Fey, that's oh man, that's going to go in four episodes because this is Aaron Sorkin. Do you remember they were both coming out? The yeah, same and year. both on NBC. Yeah, yeah, two shows about behind the scenes, and then Thirty Rock, amazing, and then Studio. I mean, it's just the problem. I, I liked Studio. Par- like part of the problem was that. They had this, you know, the characters and Matt Perry's character, especially, they had this arrogance about yes. how these are the these are the best comedy writers in the business. And then you would see the sketches yes. that they were so precious about, and you were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was so. It was like it was. It, they, they were like open mics grade sketches. I know. Or, or don't don't even show them. Like in a Woody Allen movie, what's that movie? Um, with Chaz Palminteri, I don't even know how to say Chaz it. Chaz Palminteri. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, there was a movie whenever there's like he's a he's a gangster making the uh, screenplay better because he knows street oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullets um, of a Broadway. Okay. Yeah. Yes, with and, John and, Cusack, right? Yeah, and they don't ref- they never show the great thing how he's making the script better. Yeah, they should have done that. They should, that should have all been in the background yeah. and never, never, ever, ever shown any of these or amazing. They could have just hired sketch writers to write the sketches. So well, I think they did. I think I think Mark McKinney worked on that show, who's oh. an amazing sketch writer. But I think it just might have gotten Sorkinized a little bit, like a non. It was a non-comedian's take on what they think a com what comedy is like, like an right. artificial. Yeah. Like if you if you tried to feed to a computer and teach it like how to write a joke, it would go, "Oh, this is how you write a joke." You know, like, oh, computer, that's so your clothes. There's just a right. there's just a so he, you, girl. He, computers are always like. So, mah, so mah, he mah. thought it was more about the drama and the uh, I guess, but and the politics. So what? So the ninth annual young comedians, which I you know I watched all the Dangerfield specials, and then and then when it sort of just became young comedians, and they did. Yours was the in like 87, 88? I'm sorry to interrupt. Didn't they do a black one where it was... So, Barry Sobel was the one white one. I don't remember who hosted it. Robert Townsend. I'm sorry. To it might have been Robert Townsend. Yes. They had those, I think. Well, remember those ones? Yours Yours was... Uh, 13th, lucky number. And I just... Uh, bu- I worked... Well, just uh, six years ago, worked on Little Man and with Rob Schneider. And I go, there's a curse because two of them are dead. And Rob Schneider's rationalizing going... Well, it's 17 years ago when they have the true Hollywood stories. Right. The Curse of Hawaii Five-0 or whatever. Some movie from the 40s. They all died. Well, it's 
The curse of the year 1900. Yes. Everyone from the year 1900 has <laughs> no. died. It's a curse! Or just the progression of nature. But um, you were saying you remember that. But Dennis I remember Moses. that because he was, uh, and this, you know, this was 87, 88, and this was right. 89. Was it 89? Yeah. Okay. So I don't remember if his first comedy special had aired yet, uh, but he was so fucking arrogant. Well, on first the- of all, well, when you talk about comment boards, right? I don't know, remember what they had there, but someone before the IMBD said, great. Oh, no, no, it was a review. Like with these thing, great host then is blowing them all off the stage and killing. So it's like it's like saying uh, Dennis Mill. Which yeah, did you I, ever see it? Did you see it, Matthew? Yeah, I saw it. It's so, it's almost unforgivable what he does as a host because he he's he's super like arrogant and then he goes and it's uh, it's this it's something effective and this next guy is I don't uh, know just that like well. I don't know that well yeah. either. They tell hey, me he's, he's funny. funny. I guess <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Fred Stone. It's like okay, it's so exactly you, like you've just told the audience. Not to give a shit about the comic coming it's out. It's exactly like the when Todd Glass did uh, Aspen Comedy Festival and Jeremy Piven announces him. Oh, Jeremy Piven. I love announces. Jeremy Piven stories. I, I love <laughs> because I love knowing who the assholes are. And anytime you get a driver, if you work in Canada, they'll tell you because you know they're driving people around. <laughs> and one of them, you know, yeah, and they don't want to say then you know, oh, yeah. So him. <laughs> Yeah, I love. It rhymes he's with like Claramy Niven. He's like this next guy. This next guy. They tell me uh, all the comedians in the back tell me this guy is like their favorite comic, so he must be pretty good. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Glass. <laughs> That's better than what Dennis Miller did for Fred. Better right. by a lot. <laughs> Dennis Dennis Miller blew him off so hard. Wait, wait, in I, the wait, intro. I, I, I feel a hook coming in for my career. Like I go on WTF, I put down you guys, I get booked. Maybe I'll get on Dennis Miller's <laughs> radio show. This gonna, I'm gonna keep going. I see how long I can keep this going. Yeah, this next guest I've never met. Uh, you introduced me on the 13th annual Uncom. Yeah, whatever. I, I, when I saw um, the roast of uh, uh, Saget, I think and Norm Macdonald's on the dais, and uh, what's her name, uh, Cloris Leachman. Was saying, Norm, I never met you, and I was on Norm's show, and she did a guest spot. So she she didn't remember <laughs> being uh, a guest star on she, Norm's show, she, and she was roasting him. She was on a couple episodes of Norm, wasn't she? She was I on think for a only while. One. Wow. Right, I um, but yeah, the the thirteenth and do you know this guy John Mulrooney? he was a, like a I don't know what he's doing now, but there was a, before Comic Strip Live was taken over by Wayne Cotter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, Wayne Cotter. I remember Norm has a funny story. Or well, I'm making someone look bad, but um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, like they're on a plane going to Canada, and and someone says, "Hey, do you watch Saturday Night Live?" And and Wayne goes. That's our competition, Saturday Night Live. Like, people really go, Comic Strip Live, Saturday Night Live. Like, we don't talk about, you know. But uh, there was a John, there was this thing hosted by Dabney Coleman at Aspen on Showtime before, um, what's it called, uh, the Aspen Comedy mm-hmm. Festival is big. And he's a guy, just, I love Dabney Coleman, but you would think of him to host this comedy special. Right. So John Mulrooney did something really smart. He said, let me warm up the crowds. He's warm, hey, look at that homo in the front, you know, doing whatever he does, rowdy stuff. And so, hey, and he's killing with, and, th- and then when they introduce him, ah, because he, he, you know, did the trick of warming up the show. Uh, Except for that homo in the front. Yeah, I mean, Who was exactly. very offended because that is a horrible thing to say to someone. 
Well, yeah. it was a different time, well, you know, Chris. But that was his, yeah. That was his act. You know. I, I, I want to know what, because it, it that special was like you and Warren Thomas and Drake uh, Sather Drake and Dead. Rob, Rob the, Schneider. I, and, I have an idea. And this is a big enough podcast where it's sort of like, if I say it, is this like a copyright? I could go, hey, you stole it. I was on Nerdist. Yes, you could, you could okay. do that. Or it's public domain and we can't. All right. I, I think there should be like, what happened the 13th? It's Jinx. And because you have the two stars, David Spade and Rob Schneider, you know, wh what it means and, and what happens after. You have me, sort of a middle guy, playing delivery guys and clerks on shows. Then you have this woman, Jan Karam, who. I remember Jan. Yeah, still, you know, doing the bookstores and doing the thing. And two people that died tragically. So I think it's a. Good. All right. I, it's a, it's a, it's I like a the pitch. It's a all right. I think it's. Yeah. A, I think they should. I. I just think someone should chronicle all oh. of the young comedian yes. specials, and they stopped doing them early did, to mid nineties. Did you remember? Um, there was one where other alum, other alumni hosted. There was one where Belzer, yeah. like like. Belzer introduced a New York one. Yeah, that, um, that was the one. Howie Mandela introduced the Canadian. And Dana Carvey too. Yes. I think that I think that might have been the one that uh, that Janine Garofalo and Andy Kindler were on, which would have been no, like, no, no, no. That was just a regular one. Was Ray it? Romano was on it. Ray Judd Romano Apatow, and Judd Apatow. Yeah. And there was one like a reunion one where, like I said, Belzer hosted. Richard Lewis brought on the L.A. comic. I remember. I remember that. I, remember I, Richard Lewis was in one. Yeah, but I don't remember who. I don't remember the, the comics. Mother's Brothers with the host. This is way back. But oh, wow. yeah, what well, I guess they stopped doing young comedian specials because it lost the cachet. It all blended well, in. It's amazing when you look at the the earlier ones, like the really early ones with you know like the Funny Boys with Valerie and Schmack. And, 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 and first of all, it was done at the worst place to do it. The Catch Rising Star was a good comedy club, but it's not. But doing, yeah, yeah. The first, the first handful were just shot in these tiny clubs, and then yes. they got really '80s on everything, and the shows got really. Yeah. You, you had a big stage. I, you know something? I, um, I went through a, a phase where I made a little bit of a living just doing like, you know, uh, Caroline's Comedy Club, uh, Rosie's show. It was like jury duty, evening at the Improv, where you, you know. You know, all these cable things like stand-ups, you know, Mario Joyner had mm -hmm. one. And I've done three cable shows at that same theater, which is gone now. I did The A-List. Yeah, Comedy Central. Yeah, it was done at this place in Santa Monica by the... Uh, now it's across the street from where Hooters is, where the uh, Santa Monica Improv used to be. Mm -hmm. I did Young Comedian Special. That's so sad what you just said. Right across from the Hooters where the Santa Monica wow. Improv. Yeah. I remember that Santa Monica Improv had like a loft space with a smaller stage. When did that close, the Santa Monica um, Improv? Probably 90... But that was a cool place. Probably 91 or 2. That and was then a cool Igby's, place. Igby's was in West L.A. Yeah. I, I liked the Santa Monica Improv and I liked the... Valley had an improv in a hotel. Jesus Christ. And you didn't have that pressure to kill. You could just try out stuff because it wasn't like executives there and NBC guys. But there was one, yeah, the Valley improv, and it was in some hotel. What was the what was the sort of mood in the cause you obviously you were you were doing stand-up in the sweet spot of the comedy boom? Well, I'll tell you, basically, I you know, I never wanted to, you know have HBO specials. I just wanted to be a quirky character actor. And now I'd like to be like Steve Buscemi, a little bit of a higher level. Okay, I've done enough schmucky guys who pop in or, you know, 
you know, the bad date and they blink or whatever. So I never had the I got thing. a show for you, Santa Monica Pier Empire. Oh, right. What is that? <laughs> uh, it's like Boardwalk Empire, but on the West Coast. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> and, and so I never, I thought I would just, you know, do stand up and get, you know, discovered and be more of an actor. But then I got swept up in the comedy boom of the 80s, which was a false comfort zone because you're filling up your calendar, you know, and I think, hey, I'm on stage. So it was I, all you had to do to get work was pick up the phone and answer it. There were so many. My friend, a smart guy, said because the baby boomers were now older and there were so many of them. So yeah. they'd go to discos, Jersey every night, 55 bucks, a few sets a night. So I never was in love, love with it. I used to love getting the light that I could get off. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I would bomb and I'd always be stretching. I'd have the headline do 45 stretch and I'd come back to the city, do 20. I'm stretching. I go, where, how did I do the extra 45? But so in one way, it was the adolescence I never had. I'd hang out with Gilbert Gottfried and, and just, you know, and just try to meet women and stuff. So it, it had a different feel. It, you know, it's similar almost to the testosterone kind of Colin Quinn, New York guys. Right. When um, then all of a sudden, you know, I never did stand up going, I want to be cool. But it seems like now all of a sudden became with MTV. And again, that I call it red carpet comedy. Like, yeah, you're a loser. Hey, look what she's wearing. Yeah. These guys who you don't know making fun of other losers. Like, like, you know what I mean? It became cool. And oh, then, I know those specials. I did. I did a. I did a handful of those. Like, I love the 80s and I love the 90s and stuff. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know, I feel like I don't want to get stuck just being the guy who comments, comments on, on pop culture. Exactly. Well, well, on Best Week Ever, you know, the clips were funnier than the comedians. Like, let me see the thing of Sherry Shepard saying something stupid about the world is flat. Remember that? Yeah. Well, but the problem is, you know, the, the, the way that they... And they would just make a face like, yeah, Sherry, you know geography. The, I, you know, but I put, I, put some of the, I put some of the responsibility on the producers of those because, I, because the way that you shoot those, and believe me, I'm not... I, said a, I made a lot of dumb jokes on those fucking stupid things, but you go in and you talk for an hour and a half and then they just go snip, 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 and they right. And so much in the same way that with a a, a film or anything else, yeah, you are so at the mercy of whoever is producing and editing that project. You fucking better hope that they have a good sense of humor, because if not, they're not gonna pick the best. I mean, I saw numerous things it that I was like, oh snark. no, why did they pick that? Right. It became like like the joke on the uh, what's I love the nineties. Yeah. Mrs. Hathaway, I would do her. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's all like, yeah. Ginger or El Marianne? Yeah, who would you pick? Hey, the hottest. Record scratch. You know, yeah, the hottest woman ever. There aren't <laughs> record jukeboxes anymore. Let's uh, let's do away with the record scratch. But, um, so it was fun for a while, but then it became. You didn't see the, the uh, Crosley booth at uh, CES. There are record players. <laughs> I know there are record players, and they're incredibly expensive, weirdly enough, yeah. but. <laughs> They are, it is not enough of a social phenomenon enough, anymore to use that as the comedy. Like It is as outmoded as using like an Alpenhorn in a sketch to denote that a joke has been told. Oh, I heard, you know, wah, wah after a thing. Yeah. I heard a story that Jim Belushi, there was like, you know, when you have you done the multi-camera sitcoms, yes. the rehearsals? Yes. And then they did a thing. And sometimes, you know, the what's those guys that push the the the... the, the the script supervisors with the thing moving oh, yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. So they did the thing, and the guy goes, wah, wah, you know, you know, at 
And Belushi yelled at the guy, wouldn't come out, was going to fire him because don't do the wah, wah. That means it sucks. That means it sucks. Yeah. yeah. But it just means, yeah, but it did. No. And uh, when you when you were so in 89, you did this special did. But then that was really kind of nearing the end of the yeah, comedy boom you know, going into the 90s. So did you feel like, you know, the special didn't do anything for yeah, you? Yeah. Well, to be honest, like I said, I, I, I would get booked. It was funny. Like I would get booked on some because I did you know, whatever, Letterman or something, Indianapolis is a headline, and hey, they saw five minutes, and then I'm a low-key guy, and then they'd switch me with the middle or be disappointed or, you know, because, um, yeah, I don't work the crowd and, and do sing-alongs or theme songs of the local stuff. You didn't ask if there were any birthdays out there? <laughs> well, I would stretch. I would try. <laughs> After a while, I'd be shameless. But, yeah, I, I kind of... Yeah, they'd have the opening guy just again doing the local commercials or so. So I I, I would be uh, the few gigs I got were miserable because I was spoiled in New, New York. You could make a living, New Jersey, Long Island, Connecticut, doing fifteen minute sets. Not a great living, but I was content to. But then I'd go in L.A. to make a living as a comic. You have to leave L.A. because you don't have that circuit in in L.A. of no. like you know so. I was spoiled, like I said. I I don't love. I didn't love it after a while to do bookstores and borders for free and every cool place. I I, I come from it ruins you. You like you make money from stand up. I almost pretty right away the comedy boom started. So then I'd go on the road and yeah, I, I would do these. I'd have to stretch into an hour. So after the young comedian special, I was kind of. Like, you know, staying in these depressing comedy condos yeah. and oh, the worst. you know, I, I I was telling how. You know, the comic from the week before would still be there. And I, I remember I, I wake up in the middle of the night and, and I want to, like, watch TV. And I didn't realize the MC was sleeping on the couch. And I said, <laughs> you got to get him out of here. And, you know, you're in some, like, always like an army barracks, always where the army people live. And there's nothing but, like, the CVS, you know, drugstore, like a mall to go to. And, yeah, again, I, I, I didn't love doing an hour. So so for after the Young Comedian special... Um, that was 8990. Then I, I, I got like a little sitcom that went four episodes. So I kind of was trying to get more into that stuff. What show was that? No one heard of it. It was called Singer and Sons. It was, uh, Harold Gould. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, I mean, I know who yeah, he is. And Esther Roll. Oh, yes. Esther Roll was, the, 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 at the time, the, uh, the producer was trying to get me fired because I wasn't his idea. And Esther, Esther Roll from Sanford, Sanford yeah. and Son. Yeah. No, from Good Times. Oh, was she the mom and she was the yeah, mom in Good was Times? James. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. And and she was telling me stories about Jimmy Walker with like mug and there was a scene where he had to drink milk and he was coming like this. <laughs> and she was saying how it was so embarrassing to the black community. And I was trying not to laugh. I go, that sounds funny. She goes, and he would just do this thing like drink the milk. And I remember, you know, I mean, because of Jimmy Walker, I got into stand up because um, I. I would see, I never saw any people like me on TV and he was a skinny, weird looking guy. And I, I never saw anyone like that at the time, you know, then I heard, oh, you do a set at the improv, you get on the Tonight Show and then you be, get a TV show. So I used to fantasize being on the Tonight Show going, yeah, this is my second time doing stand up. Did you do the Tonight Show? I did. It was so anticlimactic. I did it in 89 and... And there were no guests. It was Doc Severinsen and Yodlers. I'm not saying this. I'm not making it up. And and I did it. So Johnny wasn't there? Johnny was there, but I didn't get to meet him. And I never said hi to him. It was almost like if I did a thing That's here. That's so insane that you didn't even get to say hi to him. It's almost like if you pet up the Tonight Show thing, you did, hey, Chris Hardwick, a set. And then, 
you left and you see this. I didn't right. even see the Tonight Show desk or anything. Oh, and wow. it didn't it didn't really do anything for me. But by then I was really burnt out to stand up. By then it was a time like people would come up to me say, "I saw you in the Tonight Show," and I hadn't at the time. No, I've never been on it. Yes, you are. I go, okay. <laughs> so they had all blended in. So yeah. then when did you start writing for Seinfeld? I I, um, I fell into that in 94. And could, could I plug? Yeah, plug, plug away. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, um, well, at first I was nervous being here because I thought... I thought this is like tech show. I don't know why I think he was the tech guy. Well, know? I did. I mean, I, I you know, I write for a tech magazine right. and I reviewed technology. And so I, it's, a, it's a fair assumption. Okay. You know, I thought it had to go, I'm oh, did G4, it. you said come to G4. I thought it had to be, dude, did you see War of Duty, man? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had to be Seriously, that. War of Duty, man was really good, though. There was a <laughs> lot of tech game. in it. That should uh, be a game. War you know, of Duty, man. You know, it's fun. I'm writing a script and I know nothing about games and I'm I'm making up this thing. It's so arbitrary. Like uh, I once thought I had a contact in ski movies and I and I they slope down the hill. But all right. Anyway, um so <laughs> so you gotta um what the hell was oh yeah yeah so I wrote on Seinfeld ninety four to ninety five and um I was at my friend Steve Scrove and he had a surprise birthday party and Larry David was there and he was going uh I knew him from in New York. He'd always go, you're a doomed loser. He goes, your only shot is if you go blind. You're superficial. You're a Jew like me. You know, and he would say, me, you, and Gilbert are the biggest losers. And, and then one time I bumped into him at the Laugh Factory when Seinfeld was hot. He goes, I'm still a loser. I go, don't, don't stop that. So I was just kind of schmuck to him, you know, but almost like he gets a kick out of like how pathetic I am. So then he sees me at this thing. He goes... I was saying I don't like spec scripts because you write something you know is not going to get done just to show your writing ability. Right. And I never had aspirations to be a sitcom writer. I, I didn't know about it. I never had the Rob Petrie fantasy. Hey, this is funny. So far, this is two did. careers you didn't really have aspirations to getting into <laughs> that you had success in. You know, well, if you read the Kindle single... Um, you'll see about the success. So he said, write a spec script. No one will, nothing will happen, but I will read it. He kept saying nothing will happen and I wasn't going to do it. But then I realized people would kill to have Larry David read their spec script. Yeah. Even if he reinforced nothing will happen. Like right. I heard that Jason Alexander, remember Learning Annex? Yeah. yeah. What made that go away? I, uh, it's still around, I thought. <laughs> oh, really? Remember all those papers? You'd get it and I'd go, why does this guy it. need the money? Why Why is he doing a thing? like uh, <laughs> Another Dr. Wayne Dyer speech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, So pe people would go to Wayne, uh, Wayne Dyer, uh, Jason Alexander and inundate him with their script. So I wrote one and, and I was on staff and it, it was a very, someone in one of the reviews, um, my Kindle single said, and the DVD extras, you see them palling around. I keep doing this thing to Matt. Hey, okay. that's my thing. But we <laughs> had fun. Remember when we did the Soup Nazi? But mine is, um, I kind of didn't fit in. It's not, there was no table. It's like Larry and Jerry are doing everything. They're writing, they're on the set, they're editing, they're casting. So I'm kind of on my own, and everyone's trying to get their own script on. And it was kind of an isolating... It's like, did you ever see the movie My Favorite Year? Of course, Peter O'Toole. It's a fucking amazing movie. This is like the opposite of it. The biggest show on TV, but this weird kind of misfit guy. And the, My Kindle single is called My Seinfeld Year. And this, 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 um, yeah, this new technology where they have a thing where I didn't know about it, and it's where 
Stephen King's doing it, um, Dean Koontz, yeah. where it's more than a magazine, but not quite a book. Mm-hmm. And someone told me about it, and it's number one on Kindle. Singles. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's and, and it's somewhere between like ten and fifteen thousand words or something. And, yeah, right? and, they were, yeah. and they were calling me up saying you want it to be ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine. Like it was up to me. I went. I don't know. I just want people to read what happened to me. And and I looked at 99 cents and it looks like on eBay when like a thing starts, you don't want it. Right. So it's not for the money, but people are liking it and I'm really excited. Yeah. So this is going to be, this is, I feel very, uh, I, when I say blessed, I, I guess I'm an atheist, but you're allowed to say that. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, people like Pendulek get so mad if you say, uh, Oh, if we have faith, things will work out. And he gets mad. But you can have faith, you know what I'm saying? In things. It doesn't yeah, have to be. I feel yeah. blessed uh, without religion that this is going to be, like I said, Stephen King. Everyone is doing Kindle singles. And I, you could understand you're at the airport. Oh, uh, writing on Seinfeld, The Adventures. And so, yeah. So Especially it, if you know, like, hey, this is going to be a fun, quick read, and I'll yeah. learn a thing really fast. And yeah, it's not so a huge—it's not, it's not yeah. fucking George R. R. Martin. Right. So it's all to, my behind-the-scenes of— trying to get the story on, how it happens, interactions with cast members, just how I was kind of, snu- you know, Jerry would kind of, like I would go and pitch an idea and they would sit there and they go, why do you always, where did you get those sneakers? The, the, why would you wear that? Or, or, or I would go, how do you buy a shirt? How does someone like you buy a shirt? I can't picture it. So, I love it. You know, you remember that? You know, and, and they'd go, uh, they would just look at me. And I remember the one day we had a table. Two, we sat around, the, you know, the one day they would try to think of storylines for the year. And I would say something, and they wouldn't even say good or bad. It was almost like, you know, when there's like a crazy guy screaming, and you buy Chris Hardwick, I'll kill you for making, you know, for not being on that necessarily the news, you know. And you, you go, <laughs> if we acknowledge him, don't he'll go away. So I would say, how about Jerry and Larry? Then they'll go, ah, da, da, da. so yeah, it was, so it's just the uh, crazy so, I stuff. I mean, essentially, they were kind of running the show, but they they probably had to hire a bunch of writers. Yeah, and to, then... to tell stories from their life. And I, I remember that it was these two young guys right out of Harvard and never unemployed a second in their life. And they'd say, "We, Fred, we have to make things up. Nothing bad ever happened to me. How could you say even Chris Hardwick couldn't oh say nothing bad ever happened to me? You know, and, and we have to make things up. And I would just, yeah, just things that happen. So I have a gift for you. What? Um, Is it? Oh, I want to, if you want to tell Seinfeld stories. No, no, I, you can talk about whatever you want. I, I, I thought of one thing I've achieved that you haven't. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to give you the gift. That way I'm going to rub it in your face. Yes, please. This is a dream. One of my dreams came true. In the Apple bag. To have an, a thing. Wait. Wait, you have to do it three times. Let's fix the bike. An action figure. I'm an, were you an action figure nerd? <laughs> no, well, I, was, I, I had all the Star Wars um, action figures. I was, <laughs> oh, my God. I always wanted to have is this thing is with me handy talking. Handy. Is this Did, is you? This is... This is yeah, see... The, the, you have to do it three times. I like when we work together. Handy Manny. <laughs> and um, I, I, I've done animation, but I have no street cred. I could never, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Like, I hate Comic-Con. It sucks. But if they had me on a panel, hey, that would be fun. But all the things I've done don't really, Handy Manny is for three-year-olds, Tools That Talk. I, this is so nice. Yeah. Um, Does he say the same? Th- no, it alternates. Let's fix the pipes. 
Let's ah. fix our relationships. You know, so this was uh, my mother got it. She goes, uh, how come it doesn't talk every time you press it? Like always the negative. <laughs> <laughs> because when you were designing the toy, yeah, when you, Fred, were designing yeah, the toy, you're like, I, well, I, uh, you only know, every three times. Yeah, it's too much to go th three times to hear my her son talk. And because how much do you get paid? And I, I made up like uh, I get five cents every time someone presses it. That's she, go she goes. How do they know? <laughs> Technology. Yeah. There's a handy Manny. There's Pat the Hammer. Dusty Who's the Saw. Tom Kenny is does everything in the world, and he's Pat the Hammer. Tom's great. You must know Tom from oh, I forever ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I gotta send you. I there was a thing. Now you're too young to remember this. George Lord had a thing called George Lord is Laugh Factory. He something. Um, he was a guy from Laugh and what? I comedians. remember George. Like he had. They branded him on a bunch of stuff in yeah, the 80s for specials and the stupid music. And a comic does a thing. Talk about manipulating best week ever. And they 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 made me laugh, and I wouldn't, but I had to do it like, ha, 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 ha. and then they would, they do a, a guy doing a joke, cut to me. Uh, you know. <laughs> what's the worst thing you've ever seen in the television business? Oh, that's a good question. What do you mean? I mean, like, what's the worst thing that you've seen in the television business, whether behind the scenes or just something where you're like, I just feel gross, and I can't believe uh, this was, is happening. Yeah, that was when I did that. Like, uh, you see some hacky joke, and you see me. Uh, you know, laughing, bobbing my head up and down. That's so and, 80s, too, that idea of, like, everyone's having fun all the time. Yeah, well, that thing, quick cuts, we love it, and it never worked with comedy. No. You know what I mean? They do quick cuts of comics, you know. Comedy and, is so terrifyingly hard to shoot. It's 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 a wonder that it's ever done well, because it's, you know, it's 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 a relationship that you have in a room with people, and that's hard to capture if you're not there, and it had definitely has been done right but not the majority of the time. Yeah, well, they, I mean, when they show audience members or... Well, I've been on things where... Our yeah. show, we have to do that on the, the Nerdist special on this. BBC. We have to... Uh, no, no, we have a... I thought, I thought you were going to cut to people laughing. Or <laughs> no, you're going to cut to people... Oh, that's funny. To that totally, yeah. totally but it just, to it just... Sometimes it's just... It becomes a thing where we, we went on so long and we have to fit the show into the time it takes and the only thing you can throw in there is... A reaction shot of to, so you can So laughing. you can make the cut. It's but what like, I see a lot of times in comedy specials, and I don't understand why it happens, is I see a lot, I feel like I see a lot of comedy specials. Maybe this is just me making this up in my head, but they'll cut to the audience and people aren't laughing. Yes. And I'll go, why would you cut? I mean, I can understand if or, you needed or, an audience, but just get coverage. On, on, do you remember when Evening at the Improv used to be on five nights a week on a Yes. And they would cut to like show empty seats or, and they always had the thing with Bud Friedman where he'd give you the, the, the improv game at the right. end, and, but you always had to give it back. I swear to God, you weren't allowed to keep oh, it. Oh, that sucks. And uh, he got mad at me. I wouldn't hug him. Remember you had to do the hug at the thing? Drake Sather passed away. He goes, I don't hug my own father. I'm not going to hug uh, Bud Friedman. You know? <laughs> he, uh, Yeah, five nights a week when comedy was insane. That's crazy to think of, that, that there was a time when stand-up comedy was on television. Five, on, on multiple eight, channels, eight, yeah. multiple channels. Yeah. It was well, like Evening at the Improv, uh, uh, Caroline's Comedy Hour. The, the thing with Rosie, yeah, Mario stand -up spotlight. Joyner, that was stand-up spotlight. Mario Joyner, the on MTV VH1, one. And then, and then Kamikaze. And, uh, I did a thing where they flew me to London to, uh, there was a thing called Stand-Up America. I forgot what it was called. Um, no, that sounds familiar, Stand-Up America. Something with, with, they flew me to London, and I already was at the, burnt out, but it was a free trip to London, 5,000. And they had me follow Emo Phillips towards uh. the end of the night. And I'm bombing. And I'm up there going, 
They flew me like whatever, 6,000, and I'm bombing. They probably think I was doing, here's an uh, imitating Emo Phillips. I, um, you know, doing a poor man's version of him. No, really? I don't think no, you No, no, no. People, I once was in this, oh, first of all, every, everyone in the world goes, God, a great idea for a sitcom. It's a comedy club like Cheers. You know, the, the guys, you do your act and they talk. Seven trillion people have had this genius idea. And they actually tried it on a Showtime thing. Oh, I wish I could get it. The late Warren Thomas was on it. Mm -hmm. The late Richard Jenny was in my thing with me. And and they go, it's great. They do their act. And, um, and uh, yeah. Oh, you know what the worst gig is? Um, playing a stand-up comic in a TV movie about a comedy club. I did this thing where uh, Cameron Mannheim was a comedian and it was, no one saw it. I forgot what it was on, uh, some TV movie. And, and, and I thought I had to be an extra because we had to hang out and make it like we're in the background at the bar drinking background. And I'm going, I've been on every show and I'm just doing background. So then it was, there was a scene where it showed me doing my act and my character gets picked for the Aspen Comedy Festival. That's the, story who gets into it and i'm bombing in front of the extras and i go this is why i don't miss stand-up i had to follow this guy pablo mancia pablo pablo French? francisco yeah and he's like, you know and spitting was and, he having a stroke because that doesn't sound <laughs> okay no, doesn't he do sound yeah design? no he does a lot of sound effects and voices and, and stuff yeah yeah and kills and then i'm up there and i had to tell the extras you know my character passes and gets to aspen maybe you should tell the extras to laugh but uh <laughs> Now, yeah, because your 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 jokes, people have to listen to the words. Yeah, with and subtle so, and the cadence. Yeah. So, what is it? You know, what when you're when you're up in front of a room that you are getting the sense pretty quickly, like okay, they want to see jumping around and doing sound effects. Like what what's going through your head when you know you have to do you know thirty more minutes? Oh, it's brutal. I, I like I uh, sometimes I would do my saver, which was just a joke. Like oh man, and that bombed. I um. What was your saver? You remember? I don't remember, but it was like a stronger joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was uh don't remember I had a lot of bomb lines. I had I used to I used to connect a lot when I acknowledge we're not connecting. Right. You know what I mean? I don't remember those jokes, but but yeah, I would just do I'd say something like, This would be a lot funnier if we were at Denny's and I was just saying this at the end of a table without the pressure. <laughs> you know, if you, this is like a Denny's, everyone pulls their chairs and faces me. But if I was at a table, this would you know, I would just do acknowledge I would acknowledge we're not acknowledging. So you're deconstructing the set as yeah, you as you're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I ended up doing I remember remember Jay London was on Very yeah. He was on um Let me move this so you could see me over here. But he would he was on Last Comic Standing and doing all these bomb jokes because i guess that's all he would do and it wasn't working because he wasn't bombing on last comic stand he goes yeah i'm bombing you hate me and I'm like, what but it, but sometimes i'd make that mistake i would be killing and do one of my jokes go yeah i'm having fun this reminds me of the night i got stabbed in the head said, what are you talking about we're liking you so uh <laughs> we're liking yeah do you do you miss do you don't miss doing stand-up no. no i mean it got to a point where i can't hang out at comedy clubs and the green room, you know, at the ice house where they're all talking. I like people in little spurts. Like, that's why I love the Grove. I bump into people. I have a nice three-minute interaction. But I, I, missed, I missed being a mensch, having, like, in New York, meaning, hey, I'd like to see you. Like, oh, this is where you can see me. You know, Saturday mm -hmm. at the comic strip. I miss filling up the calendar. But I'm trying to find different ways to express myself creatively, like this book, you know, or 
this Adam.com show I've been doing or even tweeting. I, I think follow me on Twitter. And I, I'm yeah, I, and at, pa- Fred, at under- Fred underscore Stoller. And I'm sorry I, I got mad at you for thinking you became a snarky guy and doing all your hipster jokes. Got so me we've mad. resolved this issue. Yes, we've we officially have. resolved. Yes. This I don't issue. really think there was an issue. No, no, it was my issue. And in Twitter's head, in 18 people on Twitter. Yes, yeah, but, 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 18 people. but I but I tried to do jokes and I noticed that the bigger comedian you are, the Jim Gaffigan's great. He does jokes and mm-hmm. i love him because he's not trying to be the snarky guy and everything but but the the, the real i think a lot of comedians are afraid to put their jokes because hey, i don't want to do it in indianapolis or it'll get stolen right so uh, my sales pitches i don't not saving them i love i love twitter because it's a nice way to get out because i don't really do quick yeah. jokes i just like to you know but when i have them pop into my head i tweet them it's like a nice way to get to cleanse i mean there's there's really no way i mean i, I feel like you know, it's sort of it's it, it kind of reminds me of the way my mom is with her car. Like she won't park near anyone. She's like, I don't want my car to get scratched. I'm like, it's a car. It's gonna happen. You know, like if you put jokes in the world, yes, of course someone could take it. You know, like oh, I used to be sure. afraid of getting my axe stolen. I remember when Stephen Wright hit big. I got real neurotic that oh, someone similar like because I was really unique. But then I'd get scared. Yeah, I'm unique. But what if someone just like me makes it? You know, you know, I uh, you know and. But people had to reassure me you're different than Stephen. And Wright. there were so many comics back then too. So oh. many. I mean, there's still. You know, I feel like there's there's definitely there been were as many comics then as there are blogs now. <laughs> That's right. It was like sharks. There are more comedians in the world than well, you, humans. You know what it's like. It's like it's like sitcoms when. I, I was in the golden age of stand-up and the golden age of sitcoms in the 90s. There used to be four sitcoms on a Monday night. Remember Mushy TV, Brooke Shields, Can't Hurry Love. Oh, shit, You yeah. know, there used to be, I used to make a living, yeah, just going from show to show, working on NBC. Yeah. Now it's just Thursdays is sitcoms. And, and, <laughs> and it's, that's not even doing well. Right, even right. just that one night. But I remember that people would say, "Oh, sitcoms are mediocre, or comics are mediocre." But I think it's what it, it always is. There's eight trillion sitcoms at the time, eight trillion comedians. Only about fifteen are going to be great, mm-hmm. and the rest are going to, you know, make those faces like, "Yeah." Now, a trillion is a million, million, million. <laughs> I, I think it means a lot. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying about yes. how when they people say. They're not that good. There was, at any stage in time of history, there were probably in every era only about 10 phenomenally great stand-ups, the 70s, you know what I right. mean? Right, yeah. And there's just so much it's so much more accessible, it looks like, yeah. Well, that would have been a fun time to be a stand-up, I think, the late 70s. When... I, I, st- I, I started in 78. Yeah, where, where were you going and up? In the improv, and I... You know, in, in the New York City comedy clubs, it was prestigious to be an MC. Yeah. It was... Then all of a sudden the road, that's the low, uh, low engine. Yeah. But I remember this guy, Barry Diamond, who I thought should have made it bigger. He would MC. Do you know who he is? I don't he, know He him. was in Bachelor Party. Um, Which guy? Check Which him one? Out. He was like, all right, we'll have guns. and. Uh, oh, was he the, Was he bald guy? No, no. He he may be bald. He's a good-looking guy. Oh, okay. Blackish hair. But he was more, we'll have guns and hookers and at the Bachelor Party. Okay. And um, where it just looked like everyone was doing cocaine, right? Right, right. Well, Jimmy Brogan used to be, yeah, an I MC. know Jimmy Brogan. Um, yeah, so it was uh, Robert Wall with the big guy, so it was prestigious to be an MC. So, yeah, I, I when I passed, Robert Wall said, Go see the guy in the front, and 
And that was Chris Albrecht used to run the improv who became the head of HBO for a while, a long yep. time. So, yeah, I think it was, yeah, the seven, the late 70s, it was more like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Larry Miller, more like, yeah, a lot of, uh, yeah, like the kind of, hey. This is as fascinating to me as it would be to talk to an Apollo astronaut, just the era. It's a, I mean, Dennis just, just Wolfberg, do you remember him? I remember Dennis Wolfberg used to talk like this yeah. all the time. Gilbert Gottfried. She would, said, happy Chuck a con to me. Can you believe it? Yeah. yeah. And we'd go, I'd go from the strip to catch. And Belzer would go up there Insane. for like an hour on Coke. And um, I remember <laughs> I remember Robin Williams was filming Moscow and the Hudson. And he would film all day and then come to a set at night. And, and I go, why? If you're in a movie, just I, I'd want to get rest. I'd be worried about my early call time. But he would go up there, Robin Williams and... And in Catch, they used to have singers. Like every third act was a singer for some reason. They would never do that now. That's how you know. That's how you know if you have the weird stand-up gene. Because I would hear those stories about Louis C.K. He'd write, you know, he'd write on Conan, and then sneak out to do Again, sets and then go back. I never had that in me. No, like if I had that gig, I, I wrote on a show you probably never heard of called Nightlife with David Brenner. Um, I don't know yeah, if I remember Billy that Preston one. was the sidekick. Okay. I'll send you clips. And I was supposed to be the Chris Elliott of the show. And then all the other writers were pissed off that, why isn't Fred writing topical jokes? Well, I don't know how. I remember the big topical joke was Springsteen had some big triple album selling a lot in Madonna. Yeah, Springsteen has more money than God. And and they, they really resented me because the head writer wanted to be on it. and. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. I, I say things now, people on Twitter and Facebook. I, you know, in 30 years of doing this, I never had people pissed off till, till Twitter. And, and, and you'll or say at least, something. At least, you, at least you didn't hear about it. Exactly. Or they didn't hear what I, they didn't hear my grumbling or misinterpret yeah, it. Right. I mean. Uh, I still think it's, you know, it, it's fascinating to me that there were, you know, there was a period of time where people embraced privacy, embraced it, like 50s, 60s. 70s, you didn't talk about stuff. I mean, like, you know, people... I, it's more and more precious to me. Well, you know, you know and what, now, yeah. it's just like everyone well, expects you know everything's just it? all I remember the... Norm MacDonald bumped into, uh, who, who just died, sadly, uh, Robert Schimmel. Mm -hmm. And he goes, he comes up, he goes, yeah, oh, I have cancer him. and uh, this and that. Because why is he opening up? I think Howard Stern opened this floodgate where you became yeah. really confessional. Yeah, you know, I once uh, was with a guy, you know, where it became almost like getting on Stern, you'd be brought back more if you talked about masturbating and, you know, in uh, the church. And, and maybe, not ac maybe not accidentally, that was around the same time that reality television, right. you know, like in, in, in that, that time in the 90s. And I think, you know, a lot of it, I think, was just... I, you know, each each kind of decade is a reaction to the previous one, and I think the '80s was so much of that fake George Slaughter stuff, right? That people, you know, that's why you saw, you know, uh, glam metal get taken apart and replaced with grunge, and you know, like reality television starting to replace uh, engineered sitcoms and Howard Stern replacing the classic DJ. You know, well, you know, it's another thing. That it was all, it was it was across all forms of media. Well, you know, it's another thing. Comedy took another turn where the storytelling or if you talk about being on antidepressants or being molested by your uncle, if it's funny, it's funny. And it's always funny, but uh, no. <laughs> but, but they go, they're so brave. 
a lot of them they'll be ballsy. Yeah, you know, I once uh, you know had oral sex with a, a guy, and people like sit up. Just because you're confessing doesn't make it the most you know right. ballsy thing. But then there was a then there was the era of comedy where people like Kathy Griffin who didn't go through the traditional comedy club thing. There became this Largo thing where she's funny. I don't like her. I have bitter stories to tell about her. I think, you know, but... One bitter story. You want to hear a bitter story? Yes. One, one bitter story. Okay. Well, I had one date with her where we sort of messed around, and I'm not bragging because she's done it. Just pick anyone out there. You know, so I, I, I've worked with her. I've done stuff with, you know, not, I don't mean the sexual. You know, I. so one time there was a thing where Doritos or something wanted me to be in a commercial and play her boyfriend. And they, so my agent calls me up and says, yeah, they wanted you, but Kathy wanted a more hunky boyfriend. Oh, so, no. so, so to have Fred Stoller in a commercial as your boyfriend, a guy, you know, give me a gig, put, put me in a commercial, you know, and I was on suddenly Susan. I was ahead of my time. I played a gay, a low key gay guy. And with another gay guy before the onslaught of all that stuff. And I remember Kathy kept looking at me going, you're not holding hands. You're homophobic with my oh, guy. Geez. Like, Kathy, worry about the thing, not if I'm holding you know, the guy's hand. So, but no, I, she's, uh, you, know, you know how people get away with stuff? Someone's kind of an asshole where they go, but that's been Kathy. You ever notice that? Like, if yes. you're open about your, like her show, she's very open about trying to get things for free and so it's, if you're open about it, you can be anything. It's not only open, but being unapologetic about yes. things, too, I find. If someone... I mean, I'm very apologetic about things because I don't like people to feel bad. Right. I, I hate it when people feel bad, and I hate if I'm responsible for that. So if someone gets upset, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I only I only don't care if Kathy Griffin's but, upset. <laughs> but, Everyone I apologize like a <laughs> bastard to. But there are some people out there. It's sort of it's sort of like I saw a T-shirt uh, in, uh, in uh, like, around Silver Lake the other day or something, and it just said something like, yeah, yeah, I'm a bitch. So what? It was like that. And it's like, oh, okay. So it's okay to be an asshole if as long you're, as you're, you're like, open about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm an asshole. Yeah, they always oh, go, well, that's oh, right. for being Kathy. Yeah. yeah. So they had that. That yeah. But I think you had a whole. You're, that's a good point about the confessional stuff and and people play it up. Yeah, because I'm yeah, sorry, Kathy did it to you. She was always nice to me, but I didn't really work with her a lot, so I don't know. I I don't. I feel. I, no, I'm just being an idiot. I not actually, at all. I um. You're entitled to have your. You're you're entitled to look. The Kathy story didn't he's trying to on, book an episode of the D list. Yeah, I am right just. Now. Let's you know, talk. You know, in this business, dipl diplomacy doesn't always get you far. You know, you piss someone off, and they, you know, I remember Fred Wolf told me that he kind of was mad at Paul Provenzer about something, told him off. Then he ended up being his co-host on, remember that show? I remember uh, that Comics show, only. yeah, Comics Only. And Fred Fred was the uh, the only guy in the audience, right? Or was he, there was only one guy. No, no, that's Alan no, Havey, that Havey, Night After Night. But, uh, yeah, um, it, was, it was Comics, uh, Comics Only. Comics Only. I'm going to send you, one of my big regrets in stand-up is Sam Kennison wanted me to be on his Outlaw tour. He thought it'd be funny because I did those thrill-seeker jokes. I drank milk that expired yesterday. Yesterday, and he thought it was funny me being a rebel, and he and he, you know, remember he had the, the outlaws of comedy tour. Mm -hmm. Yep. And 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 I said I don't know if I want to go a whole month in Vegas because it first it might be fun, but then uh, you know, eh, more whore. I know whores might have been fun if they were free, but uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It yep. might have gotten old. I don't think Vegas is a really fun place to perform. It's not if you don't gamble, which I don't, and, and especially because you know those audiences there, they just. 
People go into Vegas mode, which is the worst mode. It's the worst setting of humanity. That's that's our worst setting is Vegas mode, where people are like, I'm supposed to get everything for the way I want it right now. You didn't tell ten jokes in a second. Fuck you. Well, when I, well speaking of Vegas, I, I did a college at Vegas, right? And when I actually some great experiences with colleges, because I do some Catholic place and it, in North, North Chapel or something, and... They're too young to drink. They're starved for entertainment because they can't drink. And if it's if it's in and and they're really appreciative. I found a lot of college. If if it's not in a city, if it's not, you know, what I mean, uh, some bad ones are in rec rooms. But you know, but some of my best ones were Catholic. And, and but then when I did Vegas, they could give a shit. They were sort of looking because they're used to seeing entertainment every second. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I did uh, the UNLV, I opened for Margaret Cho. I remember, and. Uh, yeah, she's another one like Kathy. Didn't really go up the different ranks of the kind of yeah, yeah, the Largo stuff. Well, maybe you'll come to do a set just for fun at Meltdown sometime, just for the fuck of it. I, no what pressure. That like it's fun. It's, it's just great. it's just it's just like the crowds are really nice, and it's you know just a bunch of nerdy kids watching a comedy show in a comic book store. And and, and I hear Don, Dan Harmon does stuff there. Dan yeah, does Harman, a monthly Harman show to, called Harmon Town. Yeah, and he tells Chevy Chase stories, or I should say, <laughs> I think he used the euphemism. Tell those backstage. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear that. But I'd, I'd love, I'd love to. Yeah, I it'd appreciate be fun to have that you on. so much. It'd be fun to have you on, and 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 and, and thanks for. Uh, and again, I, I, you know, I'm sorry that all this whole the, thing the on two Twitter times got I bumped weird. Into you, you couldn't have been nicer. Uh, I can't remember the other one, but uh, actually, uh, we wrapping. Can I tell one last thing about Please, you? Please, yeah, go on. I was supposed to be on the show that you ended up hosting. I did all these demos of Smash. What was it called? Trashed. Trashed. And I that was, was my do- first job. I was I was the trasher, and I remember wearing some demented thing, and um, and doing the uh, the, the 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 demo for uh, Doug Her- um, Herzog was at yeah. MTV at the time, and yeah. then all of a sudden, I guess. One of the Higgins guys took it over and he put his friends in it. But yeah, I was supposed to. The original trash guy was this guy, Phil Buckman, who's done very well. He was. I the, know who Phil is. He, he did the voice of Carl's Jr. Yes. He it did. always goes on you. That's <laughs> my least favorite thing Phil's yeah, ever done. My, you know, and um, yeah, why is that appealing? Like Dennis Rodman having. I never, under, on I you. never understood that that rationale yes. for the Carl's Jr.'s ads. That, of, that, that it goes all over if you. It I want to get that. all over the place. Like. But, so diarrhea is awesome because it gets all over the place. <laughs> like, that's is. not the. It kind of is. I never thought about it that yeah. way. Feels so good. Oh my god, I take it all back, Matt. Yeah, no, but I did oh, meet you gross, twice. Matt and... feels so good. What? I don't understand. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, but I met you twice, and uh, yeah, Weird Al, uh, that guy's got a career. I mean, he appeals that guy to does have a career. To kids were there, people my age, your age, and and it's so great because it's because you feel just as energized as if you were, you know listening to the artist that does it, Nirvana, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sing Nirvana, but you're listening to kick-ass music. He is, puts on such That's an amazing so show. His, oh, the change in the costumes. Yes, and, and it always fascinates me. I mean, listen, I always have this struggle with comedy where it's like, you know, my brain, the first place my brain goes is right to dicks Still, and yeah. vaginas. And, and I get so frustrated that I really, I love seeing someone like Al or Gaffigan or like someone who really doesn't ever default to any of that, you know, and they're just funny. Like, I yes. really, I really respect it. I really respect it. Well, Louis C.K. I... goes dirty, but why I love his show is he's not, he's not annoying like Curve, he's, and but he's not the snarky, you know, hey, hey, you're a loser guy. It's so I, uh, well, I think, it, I think it's just, you know, 
I think guys like Louis and Marin and, you know, guys like that, what's fun to watch about them is not just that they're funny, but you really feel like, oh, they're actually saying an honest thing that is a real thing. That it's yes. not... It they're not trying to be a cool person. No, but they... But that's... And it's a very difficult line to like walk. Like, Norm MacDonald is funniest guy, but he, he's not trying to be cool. You know what I mean? He just tell Yeah. Yeah, he's just... Yeah. But those guys, you know, they just... They have a way... Because, you know, people who try to do that who aren't as... Uh, who just don't have as much experience or aren't, aren't as funny, then it just turns into, like, therapy. And you're yes, like, oh, saying, now I'm just watching a one-man show. But like I said, when they talk about, you know, molestation or antidepressants... Just, just to show they're ballsy for bringing the subject up. And that's where I think a lot of people who are probably trying to copy what guys like Louie and Marin do. Exactly. It's like, no, it's not just about you fucking give, doing therapy on stage. you're telling that you were shitting and you're open. Y- yeah, exactly. It's not that. It's just like, that. that's that's the experience that Louie has, or that's well, the experience lo- that Mark has. A lot has. of stuff on Twitter is like that, where someone will be like, ironically lowbrow, woke up, masturbated. What do I do next? You know, you know what I mean? No, you're just going to use that shit. <laughs> like, but you know what I'm saying? Hashtag they, masturbate again. You know what I mean? They do that kind of, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 I totally, it, and it, I think it comes from the place of, well, I have to be funny. And in absence of anything else that there's funny, well, I can always just default to that. I mean, it is, you know, I am, I am so not above a cheap laugh and I, I, I beat myself up for it all the time, but I, but at least, you well, know. I like what you said in your book about, uh, I used to not write so much. I was paralyzed with perfectionism and then just write like a good ex- exercise is write a script that sucks just to write it. And yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there are some there. I, you know, there are bands that I've heard that the way that they get over, I think I might've said this in the book, the way that they get over writer's block is to purposely write the hackiest song they can think of, like the song that they would never write. But just because they have their own certain filters, it ends up actually not yeah, me. It exactly. actually comes. It, it's just a way to unstick the cogs. Uh, it's good. Um, I, I really liked it. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you came Thank on the show. This is a, this is a super fucking fun episode Great of the show. Glad yeah. we buried the hatchet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I like, yeah, we put that. Myra. And, and, God, Fred, it's Myra. Uh, that's okay. He Myra. said, "Curve your enthusiasm <laughs> too." What did I say? Cur- curve your enthusiasm. And I N B D. No, I always like Matt. Again, I. Uh, I had this irrational abandonment thing, but I'm glad you texted me. <laughs> you know, like that he became. I was just so confused by it because I feel like I've, I felt like I'd never been. No, please never again. It's like I, just I keep thinking Brad is snubbing me. The other Apple guys. <laughs> but, we, just, we just need to. We need to. You know what? We need. We, you need a show. You need the F list. The Fred Stoller list. Well, that's another problem I have with Kathy. She's not a D lister. She has a big house. I'm a D lister. I'm a guy. You know. Yeah, live in an apartment and, you know, but it's all good. Okay, so let, get, tell, tell us where to get your uh, your, your single you again. Go, yeah, please, on, um, you know, the Amazon... Uh, yeah, go to Amazon's Kindle page. Uh, go to Kindle Singles. And it's my Seinfeld year by Fred Stoller. And I heard you don't necessarily have to have a Kindle. You get the free app for your iPhone. Yeah, you get the Kindle app for the, the iPhone, iPad, too. Whatever. And mm-hmm. the, uh, also, his, uh, the Gate Show. Watch the Gate Show, which is Fred's... Uh, on Adam? Yep. Yeah, Excellent. or just put my name in on it'll be on YouTube. So, thank you. Thanks, for, guys. Uh, I enjoyed this. Oh, by the way, Jonah wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, case, he because we really have a problem. In case you didn't hear someone telling Matt to shut the fuck up. Because me and Joe, we have such an issue, me and Jonah. That uh, oh my, yeah. oh, you're starting it again. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jonah's Jonah's shooting for the soup today, so Jonah he couldn't was be such here. A dick that oh, time. Wow. What? No, no, no. Now you're starting shit with Jonah. <laughs> Jonah, did you hear what they said about you in the Nerdist podcast? Wait, I'm wow. on the Nerdist. What oh. the fuck? Well, maybe I will. Get it signed. Well, of course.
Oh, oh enjoy your burrito. Oh, yeah, that part. What? Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.